With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Purple Insider is presented by Liquid Death, delicious water that's bringing death to plastic. Learn more at liquiddeath.com insider. to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here along with Brian Murphy for a Monday morning, Murph. And Murph, you know, I know because from the very beginning of the season, you were going to ride this Vikings train all the way down and it ends with a 13-win season, only the third time in franchise history to do it. But that is not why there's a twinkle in your eye today. <laughs> That's not why there's a smile on your face or that you are glowing and that you're jovial. It's because your Detroit Lions eliminated the Packers. And I mean, if we're talking about, is it a successful season for the Minnesota Vikings? You could make an argument right there that because the Green Bay Packers went out the way they did, and Aaron Rodgers may never play for the Green Bay Packers ever again, that it was a successful season. I was on the plane back from Chicago and shout out to American Airlines for allowing whatever in-flight Wi-Fi to connect my phone to watch that game. Comes down to the final moments. They run a trick play. They pound the Packers into the pavement. The Packers are pushing trainers for goodness sake. They're completely losing their minds. What a moment for the Detroit Lions who start one and six. They finish with a winning record and they walk off of Lambeau Field having pushed Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs. I mean, that's that is the best moment for the Detroit Lions in a very long time. Yeah, that was, uh, I got to admit, I mean, I had a bunch of text chains going with family and friends all day long. And, you know, kind of as we were, I was watching Red Zone toward the end of the afternoon with the Rams-Seahawks game, which was its own drama playing out and uh, missed field goal at the end, going into overtime, thinking, you know, I, I really did want that game to at least hinge for both teams, both Green Bay and Detroit, to to, to take a winner-take-all type stance. But, um the the fact that it was going to be Aaron Rodgers, uh, and, and and you knew, and it was true. NBC, Mike Tirico, and Chris Collinsworth, who I really respect and and enjoy as broadcasters. I mean, they were all in on the Aaron Rodgers, you know, kiss fest all broadcast long. So it just there was just this sense of, you know, the Lions have nothing to play for, really, except. And, and it was kind of funny to see Dan Campbell uh, after the first quarter. I think it was when Melissa Stark interviewed him, said, look, you're eliminated. What do you got? And basically said, we don't want them to go. That's what we're playing for right now. And I think that's why a lot of people like Dan Campbell, because he's the guy at the, at the bar pounding shots with you, screaming at the TV. Um, I haven't been that invested in a Lions game in like 25 years since I was a season ticket holder before I became a sports journalist. That was as edgy as I could imagine coming down the stretch, I, you kept thinking, A, were the flags 
going to tip in the favor of the Packers. Uh, and I'm not talking about the, the obvious calls, but like the marginal ones. Uh, were the Lambeau ghosts going to reach up and, and, and tap Rodgers on the shoulder one more time with a, with a golden rod and, and give him one more moment to walk off a, a victor at Lambeau Field and take them to the playoffs? And the fact that he threw essentially three interceptions, one which was negated by a penalty, but some awful throws. And to actually watch the Lions milk the last three to five minutes off the clock and steal their souls was quite gratifying. Um, again, it if anything, it portends to, and I and look, my, my friends and family in Detroit are very cynical, as, as much so as Vikings fans in some ways, uh, abused by incompetence and failure more so than dramatic defeat. But sort of in that they're not going to buy into much unless it's it's it feels true. And they feel pretty good about themselves and they should going into next season. I mean, you got a franchise quarterback, you got some great offensive weapons, you now got the sixth overall pick from the Rams. Uh, you got Aiden Hutchinson, who's is is gonna be a superstar. He already is a star pass rusher. Um, you know, Packers probably transitioning. Vikings are gonna be in salary cap hell, and uh now the Bears got the number one overall pick. I mean Perhaps the NFC North next year flips up and it's a Detroit Chicago division. But at any at any rate, I've never felt I've never sensed as much optimism about the Lions going into an offseason uh, in, in certainly a long time. So it was it was kind of fun to watch the split screen of the the Lions driving, picking up first downs, milking the clock and seeing Rogers sulking on the bench with his cape and his hat just knowing that in his mind, he may be thinking, I'm not playing here again. Yeah. And with Aaron Rodgers, I think that over the last couple of years, just, I mean, Vikings fans are always going to despise Aaron Rodgers, but he has done himself no favors in the public. The more times he goes on Pat McAfee, the more arrogant and clueless the man seems uh, pretty much every time he opens his mouth, he becomes less likable. And you know, I mean, just even recently, like attacking some reporter and claiming that uh, she had written an article with anonymous sources when there weren't actually any anonymous sources and everyone is quoted on the record because he didn't actually do the reading. Big surprise there from, from Rogers, like even little things like that on a weekly basis where it's almost like he's gone out of his way. Uh, the way that he's acted at the podium, the way that he's acted toward the young receivers, the way that he's acted toward the organization and their decisions, that this man has just seemed like he's been completely miserable and was not fun to watch play football at all this year. And uh, so seeing him eliminated, it's like, I wonder if he wanted to go home. I mean, I'm not saying he like threw the game, but he just didn't look like he was enjoying playing football at all. And it was not a fun experience, even if you had no skin in the game. If you were just watching as a casual observer, you'd be like, why does this guy look like he's just angry all the time? So, I mean, for that, from that perspective, like obviously Vikings fans are going to be thrilled. He's not in the playoffs, but it's almost like, yeah, like you'd rather see the team that was playing with so much heart and enthusiasm rather than the, the team that's just sort of been arrogant and almost walks in feeling like, oh, because we're us, we're going to win. And some of the things that were pulled out by the Lions social media, like 
all the ESPN people all picking the Packers and things like that. It's like, I wonder, did anyone watch the Lions this year? Because they were a better football team than the Green Bay Packers for 75% of the season. Even when the Packers were winning, there wasn't a lot that that was that impressive, unlike the Lions who could put up 40 points on you in every game. And I was not a Dan Campbell believer I thought this is kind of fun. It's kind of cartoonish. And like, I love how much that guy loves football because I love football. But after seeing the way that he coached the second half of this season, seeing the decisions that he made at Lambeau going for a couple of those fourth downs, the trick play where they throw it out to, I think it was Amon Ross St. Brown. And then he flips it to the running back, like stuff like that, just pulling out all the stops to win that game. And when he gets to fourth down and they could kick the field goal, give it back to Rodgers, try to play defense. It's like, no way. We are winning this game on the back of our quarterback. I mean, that was that was just tremendous. I mean, can you imagine being in the locker room after that? Like, you, you have to have so much belief in him. And as long as they don't lose Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, like that's going to be a dangerous team in the beginning or, or uh, from the beginning of next year, not seven weeks in, and then they become dangerous. Uh, I think they really found who they're going to be. So that was, I mean, a supremely fun game, by the way, to watch the Lions fight the way they did. But to go into that game knowing that they weren't going to make the playoffs and still do what they did at Lambeau Field in that atmosphere, I mean, you just have to be impressed. You know, you mentioned the trick play and the going for it on fourth down, which he's been doing for two years. I thought there's no way, if you're going for it on your own 30 in week one on fourth and eight, and it's fourth and two on Green Bay's, what, 20, 15-yard line with a chance to steal their souls. There's no way he's not going for it. I was a little surprised at the uh, the trick play, the old – it reminded me, for those old enough to remember, the old classic uh, Chargers-Dolphins playoff game in the early 80s at the Orange Bowl. There was that hook and ladder play with Don Strock to I, – I, I think it was uh, – Nat Moore and maybe Tony, Na- I can't, you know, the names are slipping me, but this hook and ladder play at the end of the half that, that kind of springboarded them. Uh, if anybody remembers, I remember watching that game live as I was about eight, nine or 10 years old. Uh, the Epic in Miami with Kellen Winslow being carried off the field half dead. Um, I, I just recall it, it just, that was, that was a gutsy call because that could have ended disastrously. And, and, and he would have been roasted if the turnover led to the inevitable, Rogers comeback but the fact that the, it, it, his sense was look if we get we turn the ball over on downs he's still got to go 80 yards and score a touchdown I'm not handing him uh the ball after a kickoff and hoping my defense which isn't very good or had you know statistically isn't very good uh I'm not putting the, the game in the hands of my defense to stop Aaron Rodgers I'm keeping it in the hands of my offense to run out the clock and take a knee and that was that's how it played out. And, and it was just, you know, watching, you know, you mentioned Rogers arrogance and all that. And of course, everybody, you know, again, Tariko and NBC all over the fact, is this going to be the last time? Look at him taking in the sights. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. And then he goes down the tunnel. And of course, he swats away a cameraman who has the nerve to chronicle him going back to the locker room. Just the sheer arrogance of don't pay attention to me unless I want you to pay attention to me. Uh, is, is is pretty nauseating. Look, he's still a, a very good quarterback. His hand was mangled. Uh, he put up a couple of ducks that deserved to get picked last night. Um, my question ultimately is, if he doesn't want to play in Green Bay, that's fine, but 
then he may not play anywhere at all. And they have all the cards because they've got him under contract and they can leverage anything they want out of him. And if he has any whiff of not wanting to be there anymore, and I think he even said last night in his press conference, I'm not going to hold them hostage, which is as ironic as you could ever utter for a guy that was always in the shadow of Favre holding the Packers hostage for several years at the end of the last decade. Um, I don't think Rodgers has the Packers interest in mind or uh, Jordan loves interest in mind or the fans interest in mind. He's got his own interests in mind and he's um, he's probably going to see where the, uh, the, the coaching changes and the rosters shake out, but I don't think he's going to make a decision before March one or at least make it publicly. And I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say he's necessarily done in green Bay because again, I don't think the decision is all his. But I think if, if, if you're the Packers and you've been down this road before with a, another iconic ego, egomaniac quarterback, if there's a whiff that he doesn't want to be here, get him out. Get him out. Get, get, let, you know, go do a straight up golf for Stafford type trade. Um, make, make your move. And, or you don't even have to do that with love waiting in the wings if you truly do uh, believe in him. But I, I, I think America, Green Bay, and just, Certainly the NFC North in general is is kind of done with the world, according to Aaron Rodgers. And I think, uh, you know, I think the Lions and Bears are going to be formidable next year in that division. The Vikings have a lot of work to do to, to, to maintain uh, their status. But um, I think you're going to see a transition. And I think Aaron's going to be in for a rude awakening in the sense that I don't think that many NFL teams really want the specter of Aaron Rodgers in their locker room either. Yeah, I mean, and the trade situation is not particularly easy when it comes to their salary cap either because they have pushed around money like crazy to do whatever they could. Of course, they didn't really spend on wide receivers, although I did wonder if wide receivers didn't want to come there unless they were named Randall Cobb because the best that they were able to do in free agency last year was Sammy Watkins, and they cut him halfway through the season. But the way that Rodgers played this year and just how even his body looked, how his movement looked, how his arm strength looked, like that throw that he made that got picked off late in the game, I mean, that probably reaches Christian Watson in years past, and it did not reach him. I don't think that his arm is the same. I mean, when he was at his best, he's got one of the greatest arms in the history of the entire game. That's just really not the case. I mean, even against the Vikings, there were a lot of just short throws, quick throws, throws to open wide receivers. Like he didn't have in either one of the games, those, whoa, I can't believe he just made that pass type of moments. And if he doesn't have those anymore, he's just not a great quarterback. He's just an average quarterback. If he doesn't have those unbelievable throws that are mixed in or the pocket movement that used to be there, the escapability is not really there anymore. And I guess if I'm another team, why is that a great option? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're the New York Jets and you've just been horrendous forever and you want irony because of Favre, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you make the phone call because you got nothing with Zach Wilson. But Does that just, mean like, Rodgers is coming to Minnesota in 2024? <laughs> I mean, that's probably uh, – well, it is when Kirk Cousins' contract runs out. Um, Vegas, you know, Vegas wants a big show. They want somebody like that. They wanted Tom Brady before. So maybe they want a washed up Aaron Rodgers. That could make sense. Plus all, all uh, washed up acts 
go to Vegas eventually. So maybe that'll just be their thing. But um, his future is up in the air. And I think that his future, regardless, as an elite quarterback is over. And like, because when he, we used to joke around, is he washed? It was because he had a little bit of a down year or two. And you're like, oh, is it's is the fade starting? And then he came back and won MVP and had Devontae Adams. You're like, okay, all right. It's, it, it wasn't, it wasn't ever that bad, but you never really believed it. But now, like, I believe it. I just don't, I just don't see it ever turning back in the other direction, even if he's given a very good team. Um, and if you're Devonte Adams, you gotta be like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't do that again to me. He wanted to escape playing with that guy. Uh, so anyway, I mean, that's the, as it comes to the future of the NFC North, I mean, it really looks like Detroit and Chicago are the teams of the future and not at all the green Bay Packers after that. So, I mean, what a night in a lot of different ways, um, for Vikings fans, but let's talk about this matchup Vikings and New York giants. Uh, my initial reaction, Murph, is that I love it. I mean, I I love it for this is a team that uh, you played down to the final wire the last time um, that I mean, it's sort of representative of their season in a lot of ways. That game against the New York Giants where you know a lot of things were kind of going wrong and then Justin Jefferson pulled them out of the fire as he has so many times. You get another look at Daniel Jones to try to play better against him than you did last time. They get another look at you, uh, the beat up offensive line. Like there's a lot here. And of course, 1997 playoff revenge game for the Giants. One of the most forgettable playoff games uh, outside of a outside of an onside kick and a final drive. One just a, a miserable playoff game that the Vikings won, though. And I believe was Denny's maybe first playoff win was in 97. So some history. 41 donut, of course, also uh, in the yeah, that's there. the one I remember. I don't recall. I wasn't here in '97, so I don't really remember much about that game. Is it? I've watched the game back a couple times. It's a terrible game, but it's <laughs> it's. I don't know why. Like I, I just like Randall Cunningham was the backup in '97, and Brad Johnson got hurt, and I've just been like fascinated by this miserable game in the Meadowlands. But anyway, uh, because of the crazy ending, they kick an onside kick. Cunningham leads them down. They win. That doesn't matter toward 2022. But uh, what are your thoughts just in general on them matching up against the Giants? It seemed to be uh, 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 trending that way for the last several weeks. Uh, it looked like they were going to lock in at the three and six seed, especially after the game and on Christmas Eve here. I mean, as we were talking about postseason and potential matchups, I think even a month or six weeks ago, we kept kind of, okay, well, you've got Philadelphia, Dallas, and San Francisco are kind of in that upper tier, although Dallas has stumbled since. Uh, you look at, uh, you know, Seattle, Green Bay, Tampa, not very formidable. The Giants seemed, what we were calling them, or I was at least, Paper Tigers for, for a while. I think it's a decent matchup for them. I think um, the one concern is, but that it's a concern all the time because the Vikings defense just gives up yards and points. That's just what they do. I mean, what was the point differential at finding it was negative two. Is that how it ended today uh, at the seat at the end of the season? Finally. Yeah. I think minus three, maybe minus three. So, you know, again, 36, 33, that's, that's how they got to win games. And I don't even remember what the giant score was. It was probably close to that. Um, Daniel Jones, not exactly fearsome with his arm you got Saquon Barkley who can run the ball Jones can run the ball uh pretty powerful defense so you know it Matt it's going to be challenging for the Vikings and it's going to be challenging for the Giants the fact that Jones put up 
300 some yards in passing. And I think the offense might've gone over 400. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you know, that's, a, that's a bit concerning, but as far as matchups go, I, I think they're in they're, I, I don't think they could pick it any worse. And, and being at home obviously is going to be a big advantage. And I'm not sure which giants player has already, you know, kicked the hornet's nest by saying, you know, the turf wasn't that bad. You know, we don't care about being indoors. It was pretty quiet in there. And these are Midwest folk who, who aren't very nasty and all that. Well, I think it's going to be pretty, uh, it, it's going to be a cauldron of chaos, as I used to call it, U.S. Bank Stadium when I was in there. I, there's a, there's a, I mean, you've been in there longer than I have. I haven't been in there in about four years for a game, but even on television, it comes across as it's, it's a heavier noise there. It's a, it's almost like a din, uh, just this constant, um, it, 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 I don't know. It, it, there's a, there's a difference in the noise that the 60 plus thousand can, can pump up and it hangs in the air a little more. So it can be challenging. It can be intimidating. You know, it's going to be rocking there on, on Sunday afternoon. I think they're, you know, they're, they're positioned to win uh, losing a first round playoff game. I don't want to say it's disastrous, but it would be awful. And it, it portent, it, it may eradicate some memories of what's been a really magical season, but I, I would encourage fans and I have been all along to just take this in its, proper context, which is 13 wins, 11 in one score games. You saw things this season you will never see again in your lifetimes, or maybe one of these things in your lifetimes heading forward. So in it's, it, it's been successful. You have a first year head coach who gets 13 wins. The locker room is, it's cohesive. Um, not a ton of, you know, no off field problems that I can think of, you know, a couple injuries here. And there you mentioned the offensive line, which seemed okay yesterday. But then again, that was a junior varsity team they were playing. Um, I feel pretty good about their chances. It just feels like this is where the gravy train will end. I I don't see anybody going into San Francisco uh, and and beating the 49ers and that defense in San Francisco. So I see Seattle uh, getting rolled pretty good. And, and if the Vikings win, they're going back out there for a divisional challenge, just like they did a couple of years ago. We'll assess the season afterwards if they do end up losing. But um, I think, you know, you got to feel pretty optimistic about their chances going into Sunday. Folks, the more I talk about liquid death here on the show, the more I'm starting to see it everywhere. Just the other day, I was watching a chess tournament presented by liquid death, and at first glance, it looked like the players might have been playing drunk chess with beers, but no, that is liquid death mountain water in the tall boy can. The reason that this delicious water comes in such a large can is because they're trying to bring death to plastic. Most plastics still end up in landfills because they are not profitable to recycle, unlike aluminum but Liquid Death is giving 10% of their profits to end plastic bottles. The best part for you, of course, is that it gets colder faster than plastic in the refrigerator too. So check it out. It's your local grocery store water aisle at Hy-Vee, Target, Whole Foods, and lots of other stores. You can see them at liquiddeath.com insider. That's liquiddeath.com insider. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I guess I don't want to look too far ahead because the NFL is so weird. Uh, I mean, would you be completely shocked if Geno Smith somehow just threw for 400 yards and went completely crazy and beat the 49ers like uh weirder things have definitely happened every one of these games once you get to the playoffs is some area in the 50 percent one way or the other right it's like the biggest mismatch is is like 55 percent you know there's so many coin flips when it comes to the playoffs i'm sure maybe gambling people could tell me that i'm a little bit wrong on on that but that's just kind of the way that i view it is that there's upsets all the time with teams that we think are juggernauts. I mean, look at Dallas last year and Green Bay. I mean, that's who San Francisco had to beat after they won, what, like 10 games? Jimmy Garoppolo was injured. I don't think anybody with the 49ers thought, we're going to the NFC Championship game and we'll have the lead and we'll be one floating pass away from catching it of going to the Super Bowl. Like, I don't think anybody thought that about San Francisco last year, but they end up, you know, pulling off a couple of upsets and then all of a sudden they're there. So I don't want to like look forward and say, well, they're going to lose to San Francisco. I mean, I guess we'll cross that bridge with San Francisco when we get there and they still do have a rookie quarterback. And I think that even though they have a great defense, um, it is flawed enough to have one bad day where they shockingly lose to a Seattle team. So I'm not calling it. I'm just saying that like, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm like kind of, I'm living in the moment, Murph, as I as I want to do. Uh, I've been preaching for a while. I guess I should uh, heed my own words, huh? Well, yeah, because I don't want to look at it like that. Because it's it's everything is just one game, and and we've just seen so many times where one game can swing one way or the other. Even on a Minneapolis miracle or a coin flip in 2019, like most of these games, even when they are mismatches. I mean, I thought in 2019 they were going to their funeral in New Orleans and that was going to be the end of the Zimmer era. And they fumbled on the first drive and it was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be miserable, isn't it? And they found a way to win. Um, so, but as it pertains to the Giants, what I what I like about it is that the opposing quarterback is a decent player. Like Daniel Jones, we saw him in person. He can play. Like he's not some disaster joke quarterback. This isn't like, oh, the Vikings lucked into this easy matchup with a terrible quarterback. They have a good young coach who is an excellent offensive mind and has gotten a ton out of Daniel Jones. They've got superstar running back receivers who clearly can get open against the Vikings, not that that's a huge challenge, uh, and a defense that is both flawed 
enough to where the Vikings should win and should get the ball to Jefferson and should make plays, but also challenging enough to where it's not like, again, oh, you lucked into some easy defense with a bunch of injuries or something like this defense offers a ton of challenges. And I'm sure that Vikings fans would prefer that they got the easiest matchup in the entire world and that Daniel Jones gets a turf toe or something this week and can't play. So of course you just want your team to advance, but from the perspective of the discussion surrounding the Vikings and what kind of matchup gives them a chance to kind of prove it a little bit. I think this is good. It's not the, it's not the toughest team in the world because they earned that by getting the three seed, but it's also a formidable opponent that on paper actually has a lot of similar things to it um, as the Vikings. So, I mean, from the perspective of, is it a good, could it be a good game? Like, I think absolutely. Yes. Based on what we saw last time. And is it an opponent that if you beat, we can be like, okay, all right. That's a, that's a good win, no matter how it happens, because that team is not some sort of laughing stock that backed its way into the playoffs. Right. And Hey, any, any playoff win is, is house money. I mean, I, and, and look, they get another home gate too. And, but for the, the miracle, I mean, they would not have won their home game against uh, the saints a few years back. So I, I'm looking forward to, I think it's going to, I don't want to say it's a track meet because you don't think of track meet with the giants, but I think it's going to be high scoring. I just, that's how the Vikings play. That's um, that's how they played the giants three weeks ago. Uh, Their defense, the Vikings defense is, bad until it's not at the right moment. And I think you're going to see big plays. I think you're going to see turnovers. I think you're going to see a lot of sacks. I think you're going to see Daniel Jones running. I think you're going to see, I think Jefferson's going to shake himself loose. Um, I don't know if Joseph's going to be able to kick another 61 yard field goal if it matters at the end, but I think you're going to see some randomness in this game because these are not two well-oiled machines. They're, they're, they're two teams that kind of play a little bit on emotion, um, wild momentum shifts. I think you're just going to see another entertaining NFL showcase. And, um, you know, the fact that it is the Giants, you know, you're going to have a lot of attention on the game. It's the, it's the later game Sunday afternoon. Um, so people should be fairly well lubricated getting into U.S. Bank Stadium next Sunday. I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a very, very entertaining matchup. And look, Kevin O'Connell has pressed all of the right buttons this season. He said all of the right things at the right time. I hope he doesn't try to change things up a little bit this week or try to be somewhat cute and creative with the messaging or the scheme or you know, reinvent the defense a little bit. You know, I know they've been, he's been on Donatel before. This is who they are. They're a very loose, fluid defense, an opportunistic offense, an opportunistic special teams unit. You know, you're, you can't really, I, I just, I don't, I don't see him doing this, but I just would hate to see him make the mistake of saying fat cats get slaughtered or try to do some weird motivational thing, some kumbaya thing this week, or try to do some sleight of hand with the media about matchups or who's injured or who's not. Just be yourself. You've been very successful all season long. Um, Don't try to reinvent the wheel in five days before this matchup. I don't suspect he will. I'm just saying you could see a little bit of temptation to be like, okay, that was just uh, the prelude. And and now I'm going to be, the real mad genius here that that I think I am, and I'm gonna I'm gonna 
put in a bunch of trick plays early on or tr just try to be something I'm not or try to make the club something they're not. Just, you know, lean in and embrace who you are, which is uh, a momentum uh, seizing big play moment, uh, big players stepping up at big times type team and, you know, walk out with your 31-28 win. I think because Kevin O'Connell played in the league, I don't see him being the galaxy brain guy who just comes up with, you know, right. Like I, I think he is capable of that week to week type of approach. And also the fact that he was on a staff last year that won the Super Bowl, uh, understands what an incredibly long road it is to actually get there, but also how you need to coach to get there, which is a, a benefit in my mind that he's been there before. Uh, how about we do this little rapid fire to, to wrap up um, belief o meter? Okay. So, well, why don't we start there? Uh, let's go just one to 10. Your belief o meter score on Kevin O'Connell coaching in the playoffs? An eight? You're talking about like his acumen, his, uh, his, help me with the belief o meter. Do I believe in Kevin O'Connell? Yes. How much believe you believe in him? him? How much you believe he's going to do the job well? Give him eight a chance. Point, to eight, 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 eight to eight point five. I mean, uh, you know, nobody's perfect, and uh, I haven't seen him get too overwhelmed by the moment or be, you know, driven by motivation or crowd noise to go for it when he shouldn't or two points chasing point. You know, I haven't seen a lot of that. So as you were mentioning, you know, with the experience that he had last year in L.A., um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with an eight. How about the uh, Vikings defense? 3.5 and not fatal, but don't rely on your defense to win this. You're going to have to score more points uh, and, and overcome, uh, you know, you're going to be giving up a lot of yards and I just think it's going to be high scoring. And that's again, who they are. And maybe it's a Pat Patrick Peterson interception or a key third, third and short stop at the right moment that, that could sway things. Greg Joseph. On extra points, I'll give him a 7.5. On field goals, I'll give him a 7.6. Uh, there's still a little bit of trepidation. And look, like I know he's a different human being, and I know years are not the same, and the water is, you know, I, I, I understand where people are coming from in this market. If it does come down to a field goal or a, a kick in some capacity, there's going to be a lot of people like squinting through fanned fingers at that moment, but I would feel pretty good about Greg Joseph having the game on the line. So on, on I'll, I'll amend that. I'll go 7.5 on extra points and I'll go 8.8 .8 on field goals. Wow. Wow. I Am I allowed hear... to use decimal, decimal points? You make the, your own rules. Uh, it's your, it's Monday morning Murph. You do whatever you want. But uh, I, I could just hear Vikings fans going 8.8. .8. Like, what about negative zero a million? Like, when it comes to trusting kickers in the playoffs. Yeah, as far as fate goes, sure. But he's also put a, you know, he's also hit a 61-yard field goal uh, when it mattered against the Giants. So I, you know, that's that's pretty that's pretty solid. I don't remember Kai Forbath or Daniel Carlson uh, really coming through in those kinds of moments. So. Well, Daniel Carson got cut after two games, so that right. was uh, – he's, he's come through in those moments. himself in Vegas pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kai Forbath, though, one of the biggest field goal makes in Vikings history that no one remembers. That's right, Vegas because of the miracle. Yep. Yeah. 
think it was 51 or 52. And then for some reason, well, and, it, and the game's going to be indoors. So you don't have to worry about Blair Walsh going wide left from 25 yards or whatever. Yeah. But I fit 27, but you're testing fate just a little bit by saying indoors. Cause Gary Anderson was indoors. I mean, we could go all day, yeah, I, uh, exactly. but I, I, I am, uh, I, I'm a little lower, but I also think that Greg Joseph is a good kicker. So like, I, I don't think just by proxy, he's not going to shrink in the moment. Yeah. By proxy of being a Vikings kicker, he won't just start like kicking it all over the place. Um, unless he's possessed by the, I don't know, football devil. Uh, okay. So one more, you know what it is. It's Kirk Cousins. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's a great question. Um, he's done so much this season to really turn around my opinion of him as a uh, as a as a big moment kind of quarterback, as a uh, as a tough tough competitor. He's taken a lot of shots in the pocket and stood in there and delivered. Um, the team is galvanized around him and is it's it's not here. That's Kirk Cousins, my quarterback. It's now. He's one of the guys. And I didn't know that was going to be possible. His relationship and, and the trust that O'Connell has with him calling the plays in his helmet all game long. Um, I think he's he's you know, he's risen to the occasion and become he's earned his paycheck this season. So I wasn't sure that was going to be feasible. Um, I'll give him an 8.0. I'll give him a solid eight. Um because what was the question again? It was the uh, the leaf matter. I mean, I I don't I don't believe I, Cousins is not going to lose the game for them. Um, I think the defense is going to lose the game for them ultimately if it comes down to that. So there's nothing this season that I saw out of Cousins that would give me trepidation about him shrinking in the moment. So um, it's also his first home playoff game in Minnesota as well. So he's going to benefit uh, uh, from playing at home as opposed to you know he went look he went down to New Orleans three years ago and won in a very difficult environment and delivered in the fourth quarter to force overtime and find found Kyle Rudolph in the end zone for the winner. Um, looked awful the next week at San Francisco, but then again, the whole team did, they were out schemed, outmatched all of the above. Um, I don't think they're going to be out schemed or outmatched, certainly not in this challenge. So I, I, I feel as good about Kirk cousins as I have since he's been in the market. And I think fans should too. I like the matchup for him. Like, I think if there's one thing he is good at, it's diagnosing when defenses are sending pressure, where the weaknesses are, things like that. He's very comfortable playing at U.S. Bank Stadium. I mean, I don't they, – they are getting their top cornerback, Adore Jackson, which is a big deal because they didn't have him in the last game. But I don't think the Giants have ways to shut down Justin Jefferson – the way that Green Bay did where they, I don't know, made their field very wet and he used the wrong spikes. Like, I, I don't know. You know, the games that he's been slowed down have been kind of weird. Um, usually it's only the pass rush. That's the only thing is that there is no real answer if they can't protect him at least enough. Um, so 
you know, I, I assume that's going to be a huge part of the game plan is trying to get the ball out quickly. But the belief meter in Kirk Cousins going into the playoffs, say like in even in 2019, because he came up short in a lot of key moments that season was probably pretty low. And then after he won in New Orleans, it went up very high because we just react to everything we just saw. And then they, you know, did nothing against San Francisco. And then it went right back down to where it was. But I think that this season has gone a long way for the belief meter in the locker room for Kirk Cousins, which may not have exactly been there in previous seasons when they didn't find ways to win a lot of those late games. Um, so anyway, well, uh, I, I, you know, I'm not going to challenge uh, any of any of your numbers there. I mean, I think that well, can you throw from, out a few numbers for comparison? Like aside, I'm out on a limb here. Aside from the kicker, maybe um, <laughs> let's see. Well, with O'Connell, I will go, I will go a seven. Uh, with O'Connell, which is a little bit lower than you, but it is his first playoff game. And I do think that there have just been some times with the play calling and with the in-game decisions where I just feel like, you know, maybe they don't run the ball enough against the Giants in the last game. And they let the Giants hang around because they were dominating in the run game, but he just can't really stick with it a lot of times. And sometimes it feels like, with his play calling, everything just goes to Jefferson. And then when it doesn't, they just punt. Um, so I'm not like completely sold on him just scheming up 40 points. Um, but, you know, I think he's done a great job this year, obviously. It's just that sort of nitpicking. But I'll, I'll go with a seven there because I'll need to see his first playoff game and how he handles that. With uh, what was the next one? The defense? defense. I like where you had it, like a three and a half. Um I think they can turn over Daniel Jones. That's the biggest thing that this guy will throw into traffic sometimes, or just throw an inaccurate pass sometimes. And their run defense against really good running backs has not been that good. Um, Yeah. I don't, I don't really trust them, but I trust them to make a play. Like I think a a huge sack from Zadarius Smith, a huge interception. Like there's a big mismatch with Daniel Hunter and their right tackle. So I'll, I'll give it, I'll go like, yeah, I would go like a four. Um, and I think Duke Shelley's going to have a moment. He Duke Shelley has had some serious moments. I mean, uh, it's he got the game ball against Chicago, and and Chicago saying they were disrespected by him, like jumping on the logo or whatever. Like you don't get to be disrespected with the number one pick, man. No, you you started Nathan Peterson or Peterman at quarterback, and and Tim Boyle came in for something too. So yeah, I, I, that's that's not the card you're going to be playing. You don't get to be disrespected when no one showed up to your stadium because your team is trash. Uh, anyway, earn that. Um, let's see. The, the, the other one was the, the kicker, right? Yeah. What did you didn't get a number on it? Joseph. Yeah. I'll go like a six. I'll go a six. I mean, I think he's a good kicker, but I also don't trust almost any kicker, uh, because kicking is so weird and random. I mean, where the best kickers can miss four in a row or the worst kickers can make 10 in a row. Like you just don't really know. Like Nate Kading had some key misses in the playoffs. That dude was one of the best kickers of all time. The same with Gary Anderson. So I don't know if I trust any kicker more than probably a six or a seven, but I do think he's good. I got a follow-up question on the belief meter on, mm-hmm. on, on kicking. What is the belief meter on the fact that this game will come down to a Vikings kicker? 10 out of 10. <laughs> And that means what, a game-ending try, overtime, or a key missed extra point in the first quarter? Yes. (laughs) All of it potentially, right? Like, there is is no question in my mind that there is a kick somewhere in here that ends up making a difference or a special teams play. Like, even think about 
the Minneapolis miracle game and how they missed the field goal at the end of the half. They had a punt blocked that allowed the saints to score quickly and come back in that game, like special teams. And think about this year against uh, the Patriots where they get the kick return for touchdown against the Packers, where they give up the, the uh, kick return for touchdown, where they block the punt against who was that was it against the giants. They blocked. Giants, punt? Yeah. Yeah. I mean like special teams will play into this. 10 out of 10, absolutely guaranteed. And I would say nine and a half out of 10 that there's a final field goal from somebody, whether it's, was their kicker, Graham Gano, Graham Gano or, or Greg Joseph. Uh, and as far as Kirk Cousins goes, if we're just talking about against the Giants, belief meter this week, not like all the way to the Super Bowl, um, I'd probably go like seven, seven and a half. I mean, I just, I think that he's played well mostly recently the green bay obviously notwithstanding he seemed a little more comfortable in some of these games with the offense and he's got irv smith coming back they've got the full bevy of weapons and he just at us bank stadium is pretty comfortable there most of the time it really just comes down to can you block it up just good enough for him to get the ball off because he's taken a ton of hits this year and so you know he's going to stand in and make the throw if it's there and you know he's going to throw it accurately if it if he if it's there, but it's got to it's got to be there, right? And if it's not, then it's just going to be a problem. That's the thing is like it always kind of comes down to if there's an answer from the other team, you don't usually win. It's not like Patrick Mahomes where if the other team has a great scheme, he just like does something magical. So I can never go all the way to a ten because you kind of know the circumstances under which this has to happen, but. I think against this team, it's a pretty favorable matchup for him. They don't have a great secondary. And normally when teams don't have great secondaries, like and receivers can get open, he is going to deliver the football. So I'd say I'd say between seven and eight. All right. So well, we're, kinda, we're, we're in the same area for almost every one of them. I think you made good picks. Let's wrap it up with numbers. I know it's only Monday, but uh we're not gonna talk before the, the game. Uh score prediction. I will go um 28 26 Vikings. I don't know why I've been saying this the last few weeks. I don't know if they even won a game by this margin. It just feels right to me. 36 33. That just seems to be their signature uh type win. And and there will be double digit deficits on one side or the other during this game, I think. I like it, Murph. I'm excited. You excited? Yeah. Hey, well, free football, football right? Free football. Free football. I mean, not for people that are going there, obviously. Yeah, well, yeah, and for people another week of gouging, but <laughs> for people who are going there, though, I mean it's been a, it's just been a while. It's been yeah, a long it. time since they've had a, a home playoff game. So this is this is big. And uh you're right, when that stadium gets going, and it will be from the very start. And that's why I think the Vikings will win, is I just think that's gonna be a lot for the Giants. But um Anyway, well, it's been such a fun season breaking down all these games on Monday morning with you, Murph. We will have at very least one more and maybe more than that. Yeah, so, let's keep it uh, keep it rolling. Great to talk with you again, and uh, we will do it again next week. Sounds good.